What's up and welcome to the single player experience. As always, I'm your host Sebastian Malden and today we're doing an indie spotlight on one of my most anticipated upcoming games, Astoria Legends Red Moon. Instead of me just talking about why I'm looking forward to the game, I thought I'd up the ante. So my guest today is none other than the creator of Astoria Legends Red Moon, Vin Liu. In this episode, Vin is going to tell us all about Astoria Legends Red Moon and why you should be looking forward to the game. He's also going to talk about game development struggles in 2023 and we're going to talk about some of his favorite games to play right now. We got all this and more coming right at you right after the intro. DJ, start the intro, man. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single-player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single-player experience. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest with us today. He is the creator and director of the upcoming must-play indie game, Astoria Legends Red Moon. And he's the founder and CEO of Studio 15. Ladies and gentlemen, that special guest is Ben Liu. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. No, thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited. I like, we kind of talked about in the pre-show, like I really really love the trailer of your game and i was so excited when you agreed to be on the podcast so i'm glad you're here yeah i'm glad to be here honestly it's been a good a good way to like cap off the you know like a busy week yeah for sure for sure so for those people who may or may not know you can you introduce yourself to the audience yeah my name is vin vin lu you can find me on twitter at skyart15 but I personally prefer being called Vin most of the time. That's what most of my friends and family call me. And if they ever you call me Skyart in person, I would get very, very weirded out by it. <laughs> they do call it, they do introduce me like that from time to time. But yeah, like I'm a graphics designer by day. I work for a big insurance company. But I've always, as much as I love being a graphics designer, my major like passion in life is creating art. And I originally used to be, well, I wanted to be like a comic book designer, manga designer growing up. But over time, I fell in love with like interactive media. And even though I never saw myself as wanting to be a video game developer growing up, I ended up, you know, like really, really pursuing the medium overall. And as I like pursue becoming a game developer, I only like fell more and more in love with like video game, the whole entire like industry and other like forms of just entertainment like related to video games. That's really cool. That's really cool. So how long have you been in video game development? I've been working for with Astoria specifically. I've been developing it since 2014 by myself. And then I formed my actual company, Studio 15, and I brought in like some additional team members in 2017. So that would be kind of like a more official beginning to Astoria. But I've been making video games since I was in high school. You know, like the, the thing is the story behind Studio 15 was the is the 15 part, right? Mm-hmm. And I, well, back then I was really inspired by, by Final Fantasy versus 13. Up until that game, I've only just enjoyed games casually, but I still wanted to be like, you know, like a comic book artist, director or whatever. And I know okay. that like that career line is very difficult. It's a very, very difficult like work line. And I heard that, it's also like really tough to 
get paid during that line of work as well. So when Final Fantasy Versus 13, which was announced in 2006, and I was still in about eighth grade during that time, I saw the trailer and I immediately say like, hey, that looks very similar to what I really want to make, right? Like in terms of like, you know, creativity and characters and design. And I've always just imagined like a comic book that's similar to that, but actually seeing it a game form, like pushed me to want to look more into making video games. So in high school, you know, like I got, I downloaded all of these like free game development softwares. It was like Game Maker Studio during that time. There was also like RPG Maker during that time as well. So like after school every day, I'm like drawing characters, putting together like scripts in RPG Maker, putting together scenarios. And that's how I eventually like got into video games itself. Let's segue. You were talking about video games that you really enjoy. Let's segue into my putting you on the spot question. What are your top five games of all time? League of Legends. What? Just the one? <laughs> Just the one game? No, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. So I have a love and hate with my top five games, right? Obviously, my top game of all time will be Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. I still think it's the best game in the series itself. But it was kind of that game that like really showed me what it's like to play video games, right? Up until Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, I've only played like mostly RPG games. Things are like slow... Like slower games, lower, more tactical games. And then like Kingdom Hearts 1 came out and it was like, it was one of my first experience with action combat, right? And up until then, like we didn't really have that much examples of really tight, good action combat until Kingdom Hearts 2 and Devil May Cry and all of that stuff. So once Kingdom Hearts 2 came out and the combat was more refined, more faster, and I realized like, yo, like I love games like this, right? Character action game, like action JRPG. Yeah, that stuff. Like I started to fall in love with that genre. So most of my top fives actually came from that genre. So Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, easy, easy top five. Then I started to dive more into like the character action genre. And that's how I got to like Devil May Cry 3. And Devil May Cry 3 is also one of my top games of all time, too. Okay. And I love everything about Devil May Cry 3. I don't love the story or the characters as much as, you know, the Kingdom Hearts series, but yeah, the gameplay sure. is pretty much what makes me me. It was, I'm a huge fan of freedom, right? Anything that's all about like creativity, that's all, mm-hmm. of, that's all me. So any game that allows me to just express my creativity with as much freedom as I can, like the Devil May Cry series or like the character action um, genre in general is what like, is just what I just immediately gravitate to. So the uh, the third game I would say is, Super Smash Bros. Melee. I've okay. been Melee for so long. I grew up on Nintendo before Sony. Like, I'm really big into PlayStation and Sony nowadays. But growing up, I was all Nintendo. Nintendo 64, Game Boy, all of that stuff. And of course, like from 64, you go into the GameCube and I picked up Super Smash Bros. Melee. The, I just immediately just fell in love with that. And Melee introduced me into the fighting game genre as well. And from that genre, I like just fell in love with just fast pace it's another way of just expressing freedom in combat right mm-hmm. and for my players on melee in melee i was a fox player so that kind of explains everything about my game right? <laughs> and i main fox for a very long time up until ultimate by the time that we got to ultimate i started to like play around with all sorts of different characters and recently i stuck to maining like sephira um what over sora I loved when Sora got announced, mm-hmm. but I liked the gameplay of Sephiroth more. Like I, I, 
I liked Sora, what they what they did with Sora, right? Mm-hmm. But it didn't it didn't give me that same like super fast pace like swordsman like Sephiroth did. He's not really fast paced, but I get what you mean though. I just like I just like Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. His range is just kind of nutty. Of course, I played Pyra and Mithra as well. But okay. I tried playing Sora. He he just felt too magic skewed for me. Like mm-hmm. I know that he has some combos and all of that stuff, but his kit is very more magic based. And of course, and so that's my top four: Kingdom Hearts two, Devil May Cry three, then Melee. it was Melee. Then it was did I did I do my fourth one yet? No, I think you're on three. I think that okay. was now you're on four. So my fourth one is ah, it's so hard to say. I'm a huge fan fan of the Tales series. So okay. I want to say like, I want to say it's between Tales of Symphonia or Tales of Vesperia. I've played Symphonia more, but I think I really love Vesperia more. So I'm going to give my fourth place to Tales of Vesperia. This was like the the main one that I was like conflicting with when I saw the, when I heard about my top five. I'm like, I don't know if I can put Symphonia or Vesperia over it, but I'll give it to Vesperia. It's another like action RPG. It is a, both of them are long games. Both of them are really long, long games. games, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, and that's what I liked at that time, right? Really long uh, JRPGs, lots of stories, but also when you're playing, like you actually get to control and the outcome of your characters and like maneuvering them around. Mm-hmm. And this and Vesperia was still during that early times where there was, it was still like transitioning from like JRPGs was starting to skew more towards the action side than the turn-based side. So yeah. it was kind of like new around that like 2008, 2009 type of um, era too. And my fifth game would probably be, it's League of Legends. Uh, it's okay. the game. It's truthfully should be my number one top game because it's the game that I played. I put the most time in and I still play to this day. I've been playing it for like over a decade now. And I mean, so what, what's the total number of hours that you put into League Ooh. of Legends? Do you, do you have that information? I think the last time I checked was like three to four thousand hours or something. Okay. Like yeah, like I've okay. been playing it on and off. I played it seriously. I try to be competitive at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. I got like to diamond one and everything, which at that time was kind of high. But now they have like challengers. But I main Yasuo, so that that should also give you an idea of what kind of person I am. Yeah, in League of Legends, then Yasuo is like the super stylish, showy, fast dashes everywhere kind of character. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It should be my number one, right? It should be my number one just of like how much I still play it and how relevant it is to my like overall gaming experience, right? But I feel like nothing would ever top Kingdom Hearts 2. Like it's, they nothing just can't. Not even Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 couldn't top Kingdom Hearts 2 for me. But I I'm going to be real with you. Like this is controversial, but I did not like Kingdom Hearts 3 as much as I liked 1 and 2 though. Like 3 I, to I, me. I feel like simplified. It's popular. It's it's a very popular thing. I don't hate Kingdom Hearts three. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it had the same magic as Kingdom Hearts two Final Mix for a lot of reasons, right? Like the Final, mm-hmm. there's barely any Final Fantasy characters in there. I do think Kingdom Hearts three Remind has better gameplay once Remind dropped and they reworked a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the magic of Kingdom Hearts wasn't in three as much as it was in two for me. No, no. I got a question for you, and this is more of an invitation. You just gave me kind of an idea. I want to do a deep dive of Kingdom Hearts 3 and where you think, like, Kingdom Hearts will go in 4. You know, you down for that? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, okay, so we'll put something on the books, but I think that's an interesting conversation. So let's segue, though. Let's talk about your game, Astoria Legends Red Moon. 
what would you like? How would you describe this game for the audience? It's a 2D character action game. So it's already controversial to use character action as the genre itself. Most people would just call it like a hack and slash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but character action genre to me does have an actual tangible difference that separates it from the rest of like the action genre. And games that falls under character actions are like Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Ninja Gaiden. All of these games where like the characters have like this large move pool, move list, almost like a fighting game, right? That yeah, it's like combo based a lot of yeah, the time. Very too. combo based. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I love about the act that, that genre that it's my favorite genre of all time is like I said, the pure freedom, right? Like you're mm-hmm. free to allow to play this character however way that you want, however stylishly like as you want. And I made it 2D. We actually don't have much games of that genre in 2D. And the ones that are that are in 2D are kind of more simplistic, simplified. Yeah. The, the move list is less. They don't get to have like a lot of the interesting mechanics that I love from like, the Devil May Cry series that I ported over into 2D. And I'm not saying that as a way to like bash other games like that. It's just like I didn't see one on the market. And I felt like I want to create a game like that on the market too. I wanted to create a game that's just like rivaling the complexity of its 3D counterpart. Mm-hmm. And in order to make it 2D, I can't use 3D setup because we we are working with one less dimension, right? Or one less axis. So I borrowed a lot of my experience from playing a lot of Smash. And that's how I came up with how we set up the gameplay for it. So you use like the similar setups like as you would in a Smash game. There's neutrals, forwards, ups, downs. But I kept like a lot of the crazier mechanics that most people may or may not be familiar with from the Devil May Cry series, such as like reversals and a lot of tech stuff that I really don't want to like go into. Mm-hmm. But you, but once you play it and you start like getting your hands onto it, it's a very, very, very complex combat system. And it took me like two years to balance it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's, I don't want to consider everything a move because mm-hmm. there's over like 70 moves that you unlock in the, in the game. But I would want to consider them actions because at any point in time, you can chain one action onto another and it doesn't always have to be an attack, right? And there's like style switching in there. There's two styles that you can that you can use. And altogether, like Aster, the main playable character, he can do like over 100 actions or something like that. So the goal is to like, I want it to break free of just like the indie like scope and mm-hmm. almost meet like the big boys because that's just how I am. Like I always want to try and rival and take on like the big boys themselves. That's really cool. So what would you say is the inspiration behind the game? Like what got you started with this project? So the story I've been working on for so long, you know how like you've always like as a creative person, right? Mm-hmm. Or like just anybody that ever wants to be like in the creative field. Like when you're little, you always create have like these stories that you wanted to tell these characters that you come up with that you draw and stuff. And I've been doing it for so long that I've had all of these characters and they mean a lot to me. So once I like once I got older I and I like, you know, like refine my characters more, I realized like I want to take these characters and these stories that I spent almost all of my life making and then just turning them in, into like a video game. So the story and the world actually came pretty easily. Right. I've been working on them, refining them for so long. So I, you know, like chopped away the stuff that are like kind of cringy when you were little and kind of like stereotypical and then you mature them up to like how you are you are now and all of your experiences and stuff so the story and the world was came first the gameplay came later i didn't always picture 
the Astoria or just the, the series of overall God's Garden to play exactly as it is today. It plays exactly as it is today because of my limitations of being an indie developer. When I first started making the games, I didn't know too much about 3D tools or or all of that stuff. We didn't have all of like these, like now the accessible like 3D um, softwares, right? Like Unreal Engine 5 now. We had an earlier form of Unreal, but I was still really like new. And I came from a traditional art background. So 2D kind of became the default for me. So everything... The gameplay now is kind of like a it's because I'm indie and it's easier to like budget wise, it's easier to do. But if I could do it again, it would be in 3D. But that's just kind of how like Astoria like assembled itself. Combination of just things that I was working on since childhood, like all of my imagination since since childhood, on top of like the experiences and like the the way that things were moving, like as I got older too. We were talking early in the pre-show and you kind of asked me what what drew me to this game and what drew mm-hmm. me to this project. And, you know, like, I really loved what you, you did with the art style, what you've done with the gameplay, how intricate, like, the combos and, like, the actual, like, swiftness of the gameplay looks and feels. Like, that was one of the things that drew me to this. But I'm also seeing, like, a lot of Metroid and Castlevania vibes from this game. And those are two, like, games that really speak to me. At the same time, it feels fresh and unique. So I got to give you praise for that. Like you paid homage to those really well, but you made something all like unique, all in its own right. Like I said, I especially love like the Swift gameplay. How did you perfect the controls and the gameplay? Like not to get too technical, but like, can you give us a little sneak peek into that? Sure. Uh, like like I said earlier in the podcast, like it took me about two years to just refine everything, right? Mm-hmm. A combination of me playing it as well as watching other people play it i am my worst critic like nobody critiques myself more than me right mm-hmm. so if i really don't like something and something is just off like just that one minute off if one move is too slow if the character runs just a like a millisecond slower than what i envisioned them him to run then i change all of that right and those are like the small tweaks that happens over the course of like two years but on the macro scope of things it's kind of like an in- a combination of everything that I really love. And because I love it, I know that it works, right? So in order to translate like super high, fast paced lightning combo mechanics from 3D of like the character action genre into 2D, what was a game that I played that can do it well and it won't just like feel so so janky, right? And my first thought is to jump into Smash Bros. Like I played Melee. I saw a lot of like the pros play. I watched evo all the time and i know that that setup that combat the control scheme works for that pace of gameplay right so i took that and i translated into that and it it works really well other than that though i play a lot of fast-paced games myself and i always play characters that are fast so i naturally gravitate towards characters that are extremely fast that are extremely responsive right and in turn because it's fast and responsive i know that players who generally like who are generally interested in those type of games also expects the game to feel a certain way, right? They they expect to feel like that zippiness, that level of like control as well. It's like a power fantasy that they mm-hmm. expect. And I want to meet that power fantasy. And in order to meet that power fantasy, I designed the entire game around that zippiness power fantasy. Like bosses, enemies, they're also equally fast. They also equally hit as hard. And the game is all about like risk and reward and just punishment right 
So that's kind of like the design that I built around was like, if I'm making the players fast, I'm making the controls just as responsive. We make sure like everything is responsive. And because everything is fast and responsive, we also need to make sure that players can also cancel their animations, right? That's one of like the key tenant of like very fast gameplay is that you want to be able to react to, it's not like a Dark Souls game where once you like do an action, you are locked onto the action until the, the move is complete. If we did that, but then create like the game, a fast paced game around it, then obviously it would be very janky. It would be very unfun. So that is also one of the tenets of like the game is fast because you can chain a lot of actions together, but we also purposely made it so every action can cancel itself into another action. In doing so, we made like a very over the top combat system. And at first it felt a little bit too much. But what we found was like as people play it over time and as they get over like the initial learning curve and it really like clicks together or, or some people it just naturally clicks. Right. They start to really, really enjoy just how like responsive everything is. And all of it takes left to do was to create another layer of game on top of it. So once that gameplay was done, I asked myself, like, what is a quality 2D game? Right. And that's when the Metroidvania stuff came in. I played a lot of Metroidvania to understand like proper level building for Astoria 2. So once we locked in the game, the other question was, do we just make like these levels that are just kind of flat and you throw a bunch of enemies in there and just, you know, like just let the player just fly around and kill things, right? And I didn't want that. I felt like that would be the easy way out of things. And I hate taking the easy way out of everything. So I told myself like, I can save a lot of time making just five rooms completely empty, throw in like a bunch of enemies and people will be satisfied, but I won't be satisfied with it. So I went and studied Metroidvania level designs. I did like individual rooms. I did like individual small little, like just different setups and tuning of different rooms. And then I tried to combine them together that in a way that makes sense geologically as well. Because I'm a huge traveler, I uh, put a lot of thought into how the rooms are set up, how each rooms are connected, which biome leads into like another biome. And in doing so, also allowed me to create like more they're both like imaginary and fantasy like world setup but also kind of realistic so people aren't just completely lost and you aren't just walking from like a forest into like a desert but you're actually walking from like canyons into like caverns into desert into slot canyons and all of that stuff so that's part of uh, i do a lot of research on my free time and a lot of that research it's it ties into like the level design too that's really intricate. And it sounds like you put a lot of love and care into this project. And yeah, that, it really shows, especially like with the art style, like you were <laughs> mentioning how the different biomes and the different environments like really shown through it. Like I'm going to link the trailer in the actual podcast episode so everyone can kind of see what we're talking about. But like, this is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. How did you decide on this art style? Ooh, so I said that I wanted to be a comic book artist growing up, right? Mm -hmm. or a manga, like making mangas and all of that stuff. And I wanted to pay homage to it by actually doing something similar in the trailer as well. Like if you watch the trailer, it opens up with like comic book panels. But because it's a video game, I took, a, took it a step above and I added like depths and layers and voice acting and all of that to it to make it feel like you are still playing a video game and that each and every one of these decisions is purposeful, right? Like it's purposely there to feel like you're looking at a comic book or you're reading a comic book rather than just like, you know, it's just a series of images on top of one another. 
it's it's hard to explain it, but I try my best to make sure that like it feels more purposeful than it is like just there to satisfy like a a uh, just satisfy like a bullet point. Like there's some images and some pictures to tell a story, right? And how I arrived to that comic book style was because of the fact that I wanted to be a manga creator growing up, but I also wanted to. I wanted to also like make it so it's not so anime that only anime like fans of anime would like it. I wanted to also have like a Western audience too. So that's why like I merged together both an Eastern and Western aesthetic. The style is anime. I purposely choose like thicker line, bolder colors, more like contrasty, more saturated colors like you would see in a comic book. And I, I try to get like a good mix of both of them. So that both sides, if they see it, they know that it, that's not too anime, but it's also kind of familiar for the Western audience. But for fans of anime, it's still anime, right? Like, I, I'm not going to lie and say, like, it's another art style. So it's a good it's a good way to have, to, like, win both audience to me. I'm also a huge fan of Marvel as well. So I do read, like, Marvel comic books. Well, back then, not as much recently, but during, like, that big high where everybody was, like, going through phases one through four. I'm a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Uh, but I did like, yeah, but I mean, I've been, I've been a fan before the cinematic universe because I played ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three mm-hmm. and as well as Marvel versus Capcom two. I was already like familiar with the characters, but I, yeah, it was just kind of like a, um, a way to just be unique, but not too different that like it scares away like other people and to show my roots of like what I used to want to do before I wanted to be like a video game developer. So that's really dope. And I think that kind of your intent really shows because you do see that Western side, but you also do see the traditional like anime style. And as an anime fan myself, I'm like, I love it. I eat it all up. So I'm like, kudos to that. I want to ask you, though, like this is a side question. You know, you mentioned you were a big Marvel fan. Who's your favorite Marvel superhero? Favorite Marvel superhero? Hmm. Comic or movie? Either one. Let's do one of each. How about that? One of each. Okay. I, hmm, for comic, I am a huge Spider-Man fan. A lot of people are. So, but that's why I was trying to like, I was trying my best to see if there's like another like comic, like comic book superhero from Marvel that I liked for this Spider-Man because I didn't want to give like a super generic answer, but I just really like Peter Parker in the comics. But in the movie though, I'm actually a huge Captain America fan. And that's weird because I do not care at all about like Captain America in the comic books. Oh, same here. I'm the exact same way. Like Captain America, I really didn't care about that character until like Winter Soldier. And yeah. Winter Soldier really won me over as like, oh, I love this character. Yeah, I love the character. I love the way that Chris Evans portray him. Like that's why like I try to like get as if it's movie only, right? Because there's so many characters in the movie cinematic universe that I just don't care about the character for in the comic book. But in the cinematic universe, I really, really, really like them. Like I, oh, like, I understand. Yeah, I like Thor after Ragnarok once he's actually funny and like mm-hmm. they have like their own little setup. Uh, I like Thanos in the universe in the movie universe too compared to the book. Like oh, I, yeah. he's bland in the book. He's in in the book. He's either he's either bland or he's he's kind of goofy, right? Mm-hmm. But in the cinematic universe, he's an actual threat, and I and I like that. I like you know like there are so many characters in the cinematic universe that I like, but I will say like Chris Evans is probably. And like just Captain America overall, like I really, really love like that universe. And of course, like Tony Stark and mm-hmm. 
the movie Iron Man is completely different beast from like comic. Oh, book for sure, comic book Iron Man is like I don't think he's as likable at all yeah. as movie Iron Man. Movie Iron Man almost feels like charming in a way. Comic book Iron Man always felt like asshole. He like, is. He's definitely. He's a rich asshole. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I and there is like stark differences between like comic books and the MCU. But I mm-hmm. and for some reason, like, I actually like really love the portrayal of like most of the characters in the MCU. There's only like a couple of them that I'm like, ooh, I wish they would have done the comic book like very true to the comic mm-hmm. book at like adaptation. Maybe Drax, even though I love Drax in the MCU, I kind of wish we would have got to see like that badass like version yeah, he's, of Drax. He's a lot more serious. Oh like, yeah, in the in the books, yeah. I wish we would have got to see a little bit more of that. But I do love that humor that he portrays. Like, I do love the one-liners. I do love the fact that, like, he believes if he stands, like, still, he'll be invisible. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. I just wish we would have got the, the more comic book accurate adaptation of him. Yeah, and I feel like it's the way that he's portrayed in the movies is why he's so popular. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if they brought, like, comic book mo- a comic book version of him into the movies, then he's just, like, another, like, super serious, like, fighter, killer, whatever, right? But like, but because he's like goofy and humorous, and Dave Bautista gives him like a lot of charisma in mm-hmm. the movie universe. It's why he's like such a meme. It's why people like him, and he's not just another like mostly superhero, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I actually really like what you know like Marvel does with their in their cinematic universe. One last Marvel question before we get back to the game, because oh, you know yeah. that's the real meat and potatoes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like yeah. on the Marvel side of things. I want to know what what are you watching currently? Are you impressed with Phase Four, and and are you excited about Phase Five? I have not actually watched anything from Phase Four. It's what been, nothing. Yeah, I've been so busy that the last thing that I watched was Loki. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I watched up to Loki. I haven't caught with. I haven't caught up with like the new Disney Plus, like Hawkeye. I haven't seen the new like Thor. I haven't seen the new. Um, Dr. Strange or anything? Dr. Strange or anything yet. Like, it's it's on my list, but it's just like I've been so busy for like this past year and a lot of things has happened that uh, mm-hmm. this past year and also like the story is also about to get, the story is also about to be re- released. So I've Congrats. been focusing a lot more on just like video games and every time I tell myself like I should sit down and I should just watch a movie or watch like a TV series and stuff, like I just can't because I just immediately, it's like, no, I gotta work on a story. If not, then I'm like, planning out like my next trip and i'm also like starting i also worked on a new job as well i got a new okay. job this year with congratulations the with my insurance company so like i've been like just busy 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 and if and like during the day i have like my nine to five at the insurance company mm-hmm. right as soon as that five is over and that that clock is off i'm like i relax for a little bit and then it's game development yeah. and so and the thing with me and traveling is that if I'm sitting in front of a computer or like a screen for too long, I get really itchy and I'm like, I need to get up, go out and do something. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but doing something like traveling and I just came back from my Grand Canyon trip for about a week or half a week. All I wanted to do was to go back and make video games. So it's because uh, like that has been happening on and off for so long this year that I just couldn't find time to just sit down and just enjoy a movie like it's just been work 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 something new something new something new and then just taking a break and walking away from screens for a bit i understand that completely i get that completely but when you do get a chance to actually sit down and watch it you'll have mm-hmm. to let me know what you think of like whatever you watch okay okay yeah i've i've been dodging spoilers too because okay. i know that i'm going to watch it eventually right but i will say that 
if you count all of the new Disney Plus shows as mm-hmm. phase four, because I don't know what they're classified because I haven't caught up with the phases. I would say like WandaVision is probably my favorite thing from phase four so far. I like Loki okay. too, but something about WandaVision I just really, really love, especially with like the big last two episodes and like mm-hmm. her becoming I don't know about if it's spoilers, but Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's say it like this. Spoiler warning in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You've been warned. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I love the way that she became Scarlet Witch at the end. I mm-hmm. love I loved everything about like how each episode was like a different time period and how it gradually evolved into like what it is eventually. And just once she got her like crown, once she got her outfit, the costume, the Agatha reveal and all of that stuff, it's just, it, it was great. It was, it was really good. And that pushed me to like watch Loki and the other Disney plus shows. But I started to like, just that's when things started to like get really, really busy. And I just fell off the grid after that, when it came to like, just TV shows in general. And it's not even just a Marvel thing. Like I haven't seen a movie in a while. I haven't seen a Netflix show in a while. Like if people ask me like, what's the anime going on right now or what's the Netflix show or what's streaming or what movies going on right now? Like I just wouldn't know. So are you excited about anything? What's the first thing you're going to watch after you like, after you get back into the the Marvel stuff? The Doctor, is there Strange. One? Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is my number one. Like I must watch this because I like Doctor Strange overall. Like mm-hmm. I like everything about him, his character, his portrayal, and I really, really want to watch like the multiverse movie. I just don't have time, and it's just nothing to do with that. Just it's just mostly me just being too busy. No, that's completely understandable. You're almost at the finish line, so I, I completely get it. And and the weird shit is we we already have our second game like planned. So as soon as a story is released, we are hitting the second game immediately. What? Yep. Well, at least from what I hear, at least the second game is a lot more, you know, like a lot easier in the development cycle because you kind of like have the ins and the outs more. It is. And we're actually going to go fully into Unreal Engine 5. We're going to fully do 3D and everything. So and we we told ourselves, we told ourselves, like, no, we're not going to spend another seven to eight years on a game. We're going to do it in like two to three, make a smaller scope game. Because that's the thing with me. That's the biggest fail with me in Astoria is like, I love that game so much. I will not release that game or I wouldn't do anything to that game if mm-hmm. it's not, if it doesn't meet my quality. Right. Okay. It's the main thing. Like if I do something in that game, it has to be done right. I don't half-ass anything in that game. And so, that's a big failure. <laughs> so I'm wondering though, based on your personality, based on what you told me, like you can't go small. You're a big person. You always go big or go home. Yeah, Can you okay. actually do a big project? I mean, like a small project for the second one? Yes. The second game? Because I'm going big in a different way. Okay. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So in our next game, right? We, even though the scope is smaller, as in like, we don't have to worry too much about story and all that stuff. I told myself that if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to make the graphics and the gameplay match that of a AAA studio. So like with everything that Unreal Engine 5 has given me, I've already started to learn like 3D modeling and stuff. I want to create 3D models and characters and like the the gameplay to match like whatever a big studio can throw out. So yeah, even though that's not like another super big 8-10 hour RPG or anything like that like Astoria, we are going to at least make it very impressive for whatever it comes with. And it might be even more impressive than Astoria, to be honest. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm looking forward to it, man, because if it's of the same quality as Astoria, I know it's going to be a banger. Oh, yeah, so. that, that's what I told my team. I'm like, I'm not going back in, in terms of quality. Like, we are mm-hmm. going to keep 
putting out high quality titles. Even though it's smaller, it's still going to be higher quality, like high quality titles. The thing that takes a story so long is like, one, I care a lot about the story, right? Yeah. I care. There's a lot of characters in there. There's a lot of voice acting that needs to be done. I care a lot about the scripts. With our next game, I'm going really, really light on the story, but I'm going really, really big on the presentation. So like art, visuals, character designs, level designs, I'm going to go really big on those. That's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see it. I, I really am excited to see it because I can tell there's a lot of passion and love going to be put into that project. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually traveling to South America just to do some a bit of studying for the next game. Okay, it's, okay. It's be, uh, I can't wait to see American. concepts of it. South American base. Okay, okay. That sounds exciting and unique. So I'm I'm all hyped for it. So one last question before we go. So you're yeah. making this game for all like all consoles, right? It is. Yeah. So is that more of a challenge than if you would have designed this game for just PC or just for one console? Oh yeah, for sure. So big, big, big challenge. Of course, I can't talk much because of NDAs, right? Yeah, for sure. But, like, but we have to make sure like the game has to run the set exacting in all mm-hmm. of the consoles and that's not really a big issue when it came to like xbox or playstation but for the nintendo switch one like the astoria has to be played in 60 fps it is i'm not going to settle for anything less than like a 60 yeah, for sure it's it, the standard now yeah and not only the standard like i like astoria will feel so bad if it's not just buttery smooth mm-hmm. so just making it work on the switch and this is switch handheld not switch on a dock right okay it, like beautiful but 60 fps buttery smooth on the handheld was difficult but i managed to get it done with enough tweaks to like the visuals and the graphics mm-hmm. but two like making sh- like making sure that um everything goes smoothly and everything meets criteria from for all of microsoft and playstation because they do have to sign off on your your project and your title right and just one small thing can throw it off and right now like we have to make it we have to do a release parody so all mm-hmm. of them have to be released at the same time. So if I so if something say like on the PS5 is setting it back a bit, we can't release it for the rest of the consoles unless the PS5 releases, right? Yeah. And there's also still like minor tweaks, minor stuff that we have to do in between each console. But if it was just like released on the PC, then that's a, a simple like just create the game, create like, an export build of it and just send it off to Steam or somewhere and mm-hmm. We'll call it a day and not only that like i also have to like talk with a lot of the representative in order to get like trailers out to mm-hmm. get trailers to like the right avenues so if we want to like submit a trailer to state of play or something then we have to like submit it to them like months ahead if we want to submit it to like a like a nintendo direct then we have to submit it months ahead too it's a lot more work but ultimately i feel like it'll pay off in the end because I want everybody to be able to play Astoria on whatever console that they want in like, you know, like whatever makes them like whatever they want to call home in terms yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I And I want to just say I completely appreciate all the work you're doing, especially for the console versions, because I'm a console gamer primarily. Yeah. So thank you for at least making this for consoles. Yeah, I, 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 the one thing is I want everybody to be able to play Astoria. I don't care like what console it is mm-hmm. it's just the more that people can play the game the better right mm-hmm. like that's why uh that's why i was so happy when i got onto the nintendo switch because we got we got turned down like once we got turned oh, really? down from the nintendo switch and that kind of like hit my morale a little bit 
But then, like, we just kept working on the game, kept making it better. And eventually, like, Nintendo said yes. And then Microsoft was just really on board with it. And then PlayStation was like, well, we would really like to have your project onto our storefront, too. So I felt like once the story hit, like, a certain polish to it, like a certain visual, because it never, it didn't always look like how it did, right? Yeah. Once we hit that certain level of visual presentation, that trailer that you saw Mm -hmm. was kind of, like, the best of that time that we, um, we put out that's when people started jumping on board and they're like, yo, like this game is actually really, really polished, really, really professional. And that's when like we stopped getting no's and things are, it started to turn to yes. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm glad you persevered and I'm glad you still push for that. Yes. Because like it definitely paid off. This is high quality and I can't wait to experience like the full, the full version of this game. So kudos to you. you What's up? What version are you going to get? Oh, man, I'm split between PlayStation and Xbox. I have every console, so I'm like, I also have a PC, but I'm not a primarily PC person. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like work to me because, like, you know, I also work on a PC. So I'm like, it kind of feels like more like work. So I will force myself to play a game on PC if it's only available on PC. But yeah, yeah, but for this kind of game, I want want that buttery smoothness to be felt on my big 75-inch TV. I want to see all that glorious work you put into on the biggest screen possible. So probably on PS5 or the Xbox. Yeah, whichever one it is, all I can say is like a story in 4K looks gorgeous. And I wish that people could see it in 4K because I... So once I got accepted on the PS5, I actually Mm -hmm. got to be booted up in in 4K. And like all of the details that I threw in when I was drawing it, right? I mm-hmm. never noticed that it kind of disappeared a bit when I'm, I was testing it out on my PC build. And of course, like the Nintendo Switch build, right? Like all of these small things are either hidden or blurred or something like that because of the, the size of like the image and the resolution. But once I saw it on 4K on my like OLED TV, everything was there. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that I even did that on that character or like I added that in like that background and stuff and you can see it so clearly and it makes me feel so excited. Like once I saw it in 4K, like it was a game changer. And the only time that I ever attempted to see 4K was when I had the Switch build and then mm-hmm. I placed it on my dock and then I blew it up on my OLED, right? And it, it looked pretty blurry, but that's just how it is. Like you're taking yeah. a 1080p image and putting it on a 4K TV screen. But once I saw like a native 4K, like native 4K textures and everything, that's when I saw like the real potential of like a story. And I'm like, I felt like we were making a, 20, a 2022 game, like a legitimately 2022, 2023 game back when we were 2017, because some of these things are still all the way back from that, that age. And we didn't realize like we were making such high quality textures until like now, like all of these new consoles are able to like bring it out. Yeah, so you convinced me. Like you gave me the general spiel. I'm I'm all on board on the PS5 version. So <laughs> you you basically won me over on that. Uh, yeah, PlayStation Five, Xbox, even PC. If you have 4K, just if you get to experience a story in 4K, I legitimately thought I was like, this was the first time where I felt like I was playing an anime. I was like, what? Wow. I was like, wow, we actually did this. It's kind of crazy. That's dope. That is yeah, dope. And we, I'm hoping to put out a demo um, by the end of the year. We already have a lot of the things ready and we've had a demo release on the PC, right? But I'm hoping that this will be the first time that you can actually play the demo on consoles itself too. And I feel like that will be the big game changer. Well, just let me know whenever you have it out or are ready to play. I'll definitely play test it for you for sure. 
For sure. Yeah. I'm free to just hear all about it. Like I always love people's feedback on the game. Like I care a lot about like feedback and critiques and all of that stuff because we're always looking to make the game better before it's released. Well, I am so excited and I'm going to be I'm going to be hyped for this game to come out. Like all this love that you put into it, hearing your personal story about how much heart and soul that you basically devoted to this game, seeing like the product so far of how far it's come, you know, like I'm excited and I can't wait to see the finish line. Yeah. And it's honestly, though, it's a give or take. Like once like when I get people like really excited for Astoria, it makes me feel good, too. It's like, yo, like all of this love that I'm putting in the game. Like people see it and people appreciate it. And when people really enjoy the game, it makes me really glad that I chose like everything that I chose up until now. Right. Like if you speak with a lot of game developers, you will know that like there's a lot of low lows where they're like second guessing. And this is me, too. Like like I've done that as well. Like you're second guessing like your career path. You're second guessing your journey. Right. You, you don't know if like this game that you put a lot of that you put years of your life in will even like make an impact on people. But the fact that like everybody is just seeing it so far and all I've gotten is like positive receptions. And even from the demo itself, like I have like Devil May Cry players who is like, wow, I didn't know that you can get this technical in a 2D realm, right? That it made me feel good because I know that there's other games that are similar with better graphics or better quality. But I'm confident that not, nobody is giving the full package like a story is. And I want to be able to de deliver that full package. I feel like if I can do that and just win people over and see like what we like a brand new up and coming like development studio can do, then we'll have even more like support going into our next game. I think you can highly expect to get all that support that you're asking for because this is going to wow people. When people get their hands on it, they're going to be wowed. And when people see other people like gameplay of it, they're going to be yeah. wowed as well. So I think you're you're on to something. And I'm glad you never second guess yourself like too much because you, you're mm -hmm. meant to make video games. Like you're yeah. meant to do this. And this work that you put out here clearly shows that this is what you're meant to do. Yeah, so, I I want to be able to like go in as a small studio and just start like going shoulder to shoulder with the big boys. That's just, that's just my dream. Right. And that's just how I am. Like personally, like I know that I'm small, but I try to, I try to put out a product that I can say that I will try to go toe to toe with like Square Enix, Capcom and stuff and see if they can make a game just as well as I can, or I can make a game just as well as like a team of like two to 300 people. And that's why, like, I care so much about the details and the quality is because I play these games, these amazing games that these big teams put out. Right. Like I play them. So I know the expectation of what the audience expects. Right. I know the expectation of what, like, the Devil May Cry players play. I know what the expectation of, like, Kingdom Hearts fans are. Right. So I tend to fully, like, deliver on them. And I try to deliver on all of the pillars. Like, internally, we have, like, like three pillars, I believe, that I care a lot about, which is like story, gameplay, and visuals, right? And I want to make sure that if you're not satisfied on one or you don't care about one, you at least care about the other ones, right? Like if you're playing a story and not for the gameplay, but for the story and art, then those will sell really well. But if you just care about the gameplay and you don't care too much about the story, you'll also enjoy that as well. And I guess like there should be a fourth pillar when it comes to music because I care a lot about music as well. I have Sam Young on the team and he does like Kingdom Hearts fan music. And I feel like any Kingdom Hearts fan will probably know his music because he does a lot of covers for like the title and Hikari and all of that stuff too. So 
I am really glad, happy with all of like my voice actors. I handpick all of my voice actors. I make sure that everybody who touches like the project are really talented people. That's really dope. And I'm sure it'll shown through, especially with the final product. And I can't yeah. wait to see the final product whenever you release it. Maybe even after it's out, you know, you can give us, you know, some highlights and give us some deeper dives into some stories about developing the game. We're going to be glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm always down to do these type of things again. Like, I love talking to people like mm-hmm. about that type of stuff. Like, it's fun to be able to talk about, like, the things you're passionate about, right? That's just... That's how the this podcast was born. So Yeah, for sure. For sure. So before we go, do you have anything you'd like to shout out? Where can the good people find you? I'm mostly on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Skyart, S-K-Y-A-R-T-X-B. You can also join my Discord too. I'm pretty active on Discord as well. But for game development, I'm I mostly live on those two. And I'm always active. I don't treat my Twitter as like a business Twitter or anything like that. That Twitter is me. So I, I love being able to converse with the audience themselves and anybody who's like interested in Astoria, interested in me, interested in what I do, that's the best way to reach out to me. Well, that's good. Everyone hit him up on the Twitter and check out his Discord and definitely check out Astoria when it releases very soon. So Vin, like I said, glad to have you on the show and I can't wait to have you back next time. I'm gonna holler at you later. All right, see ya. Thank All right, you. peace. Peace. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Finn Liu for being on the show today. I also want to remind you that if you have any questions that you'd like featured on the show, you can write those in at thepronerdreport.com slash the contact page. You can also write in your questions at the single player experience discord server. If you have a solid question, it might be the feature of a future episode. So definitely write in. The single player experience discord server is also a great place to meet other single player gamers to talk about good single player game experiences that you've had lately or just get feedback on your video game backlog list the link to join the free single player experience discord server is in the show notes i want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode i hope you stay safe stay gaming and i hope to catch you in the next one peace